This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. We have with us Catherine Cook. She's the co-founder of Meet Me, and she's here to talk about dating during a pandemic. So Meet Me, explain to us what that is, Catherine. Hello and welcome first. And then- Hello, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Um, so Meet Me is a mobile dating app for uh, connecting with uh, uh, people primarily through live streaming. So Meet Me is actually only one of our apps. We have five other apps. We're part of our portfolio called the Meet Group, which has over 15 million monthly active users and over 4 million daily active users. And what really sets the Meet Group apart from other dating solutions is our live streaming video uh, capabilities. So let's switch gears and, and talk about how everything's changed in COVID land. Uh, are there like rules? Are there, um, I mean, is pe- are people evolving? What's happening? And people stay in, in video land much longer than they, than they usually do or what? Yeah. So we've actually seen basically since the pandemic hit, time spent in video has increased over 40%. So it's, it's incredibly, it's grown incredibly. We have this game within our live product called Next Date, which is where you can kind of be the star of your own uh, dating show. And we have over 100,000 Next Date dating games being played every day. And so, so, so we see that type of traffic. Our, our video daily active users has, has been up. I and mean, what's really changed because of COVID, COVID is the, before the pandemic, basically, video was largely seen as kind of almost a replacement for social interaction. Or sorry, during pandemic, this really has been seen as more of a uh, replacement for social interaction. And so, you know, we can't obviously be doing this in studio right now, so we're on Zoom. <laughs> um, in the same way that our users, you know, especially in the early days of the pandemic, couldn't really be seen uh, or couldn't really go anywhere. Everything's been shut down. Uh, and, and so, you know, that activity naturally shifts online. And you've seen you know, not just our platform, but many, many platforms kind of pushing video dating um, as, 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 as in response. Now, obviously, this, this virus is going to be with us for some time. But as things begin to open up, video kind of is becoming more of a filter for dating. Um, and that's how we kind of see it. So whereas, you know, before, you know, you can't see anyone at all. Now people are starting to go out to restaurants and things like that. Um, we actually survey our members weekly. Um, and, you know, at the beginning of April, late March was probably, you know, when we asked the question, how likely are you to go on a date within the next 30 days? And the people saying yes, cratered. But over time, we've been seeing that kind of tick back up as now people are, are much more optimistic about being able to go on a date within the next 30 days as, as their states might be opening up. And so what we're suggesting, you know, what we think makes sense is, you know, to, to really be using video as a filter because you might've been willing pre-pandemic to go on to a date with someone that you swiped right on two hours later. Um, now do you really want to risk exposure um, with someone that you have so little of an interaction with? And so what, what we see video kind of filling in as a way to, you know, kind of weed out the bad dates. Um, when you're on video with someone, you can tell a lot from, you know, Obviously, there's what, what they're saying, but there's also just, you know, personality a- aspects that you're just not going to get from a photo. Um, honestly, it solves a lot of problems that online dating can have in general, like, for instance, catfishing. I want to go back to this big point of live streaming, right? Because this is sort of the bread and butter of meetme.com. 
and sort of where you guys have really been pioneers and innovators. And so can you talk a little bit about how you envisioned and created kind of the demand? Because at, on day zero, there were no broadcasters, there were no viewers. So how did you create, it's kind of like the, that two-sided market, right? Uber, like, right. do I invest you in the drivers? You got no, no you got nothing. So, so yeah. talk us through that strategic process. Yeah. So when we first built the product, obviously, like, like you said, it, it really wasn't something that was seen before. And so, so we kind of just launched it and first would see what people would do. And we still have a, a video talent team that would go on and see which streams were the most engaging and kind of promote the ones that were, were doing the best. And, and, and obviously we have an algorithm that acts in real time, but we were really looking for some initial talent because it, it's actually very difficult to, to, to live stream um, when you or, or, or really figure out the skills for it. And so it is definitely a skill set to be like a super top streamer. But um, one of the, so some of the things were just like simple, letting people know how to do it. Like even like with podcasting, for instance, there's like you have to, you know, reset, re reintroduce the host every so often. It's the same thing with live streaming. Um, you have to kind of bring in um, for, for people that might have just joined and walk them through that. Some of the initial tips that we would give people is if someone sends you a gift on live streaming, say thank you, <laughs> which is, which seems very simple, but um, really leads into engagement or reminding streamers to remind their viewers to favorite them. And so lots of educational around that. But one of the biggest ways of really marketing this product to our, our users was to put it within the user experience. And so the first thing or the main places that members are in, interacting with the app is going to be on our meet screen, which is kind of like a, a nearby grid of, of people nearby. Um, and, and then on chat, which is, you know, where, where you would check your messages. And so if you have an empty chat screen, you don't have much going on there, or maybe you don't have any that are, that are needing a response. Um, so we, on both of those screens, we put this marquee that shows people that are live now. And so that kind of catches the user where they're, where they're specifically looking to connect. You know, they're checking their chat messages because they want to talk to someone. And though they don't have anyone that wants to chat one-on-one -on -one in their inbox right now, if they go into video right now, they will be able to connect with people immediately. Um, and this is something that we've we've surveyed quite a bit. So it's really interesting because all that stuff you're talking about would work still um, even in real life. I mean, you're talking about this video component before COVID. So it wasn't about it being the only way to interact. It was that there was such a big purpose and, and utility to live streaming and video community that was not replacing social, but it was, it was in conjunction with social. Um, and so now when COVID happened and they were forced to do that, um, you probably saw people investing in, the, in it even more, but now that they can go back and do social, I mean, it seems to me that this, and you see this in retail, you're seeing this everywhere, this notion of it being some kind of omni-channel. So it's part online, part physical, and you kind of learn to put all the pieces together to get a holistic view of the person. Because I would imagine if you're meeting a person, if you don't have the opportunity to do that live streaming and you go meet a person for the first time in a bar or something like that, it's just so awkward, you know? And it's harder in some ways to get to know someone Physically, I don't exactly know why, but it feels like it's a little more awkward. Whereas if you had that video experience first, it might make the online, the offline thing smoother. Is that true? And, and that? I mean, I, I personally think so. Because I think one of the issues that, you know, kind of exists on other dating apps is it feels a little bit too much like you're, you know, at a, almost at like a, at a kind of like an awkward speed date event where like you're, you're really only there for, 
for the reason of dating, which is great, except that that's a lot of times not how you always meet people in real life. Like you, you, in, in real life, you know, you might connect over say the game that's on TV or over the live or the live bands that happens to be playing. Like you can find these, these things to talk about that are based off of, you know, interests and, and, and find ways of chatting about them that it's, it's harder to find when you're initially, you know, cold chatting someone on, on, right, on a dating yeah. app. And even, even if they have a very filled in profile, it doesn't really tell you that much about them in the, well, it doesn't really tell you that much things that are really relevant to dating them about them in the same way that talking with them will. And yeah, it's interesting too. I sorry just to jump jump in because Barbara will appreciate this. Catherine Barbara is like a data guru. So you're you uh, Barbara are big on analytics and stuff. And when when she was taking the consumer behavior class, she was all over doing. She was doing sort of a lot of work for uh, the, her class, but also trying to understand some of these behaviors. And so she did a conjoint study, that, and they're constantly like looking at all this all this big data online and doing little experiments and trying to figure out, you know, what, what's the best way to like execute on things. Can you comment on a few of those sorts of initiatives and how, how data-driven approach, like Barbara's always saying, how that helps you get ahead of the competition in some serious ways? Yeah. So actually, so the, um, the, we, just, we have some interesting data around our um, blind date game that we, we recently released. So blind date, so I described next date before, it's kind of like being the star of your own dating show. Um, and you have people line up to, in, in a queue and the streamer um, can choose whether to next them or date them. And uh, if they hit date, then it opens up one-on-one video permissions and you can take the date um, and, and connect with them one-on-one later. Uh, but then we released a feature called blind date. And so what blind date does, it actually blurs the person's video. So you can't actually see who you're dating until roughly a minute and it, it gets gradually less blurry as the date goes on. And what, what we saw is that, well, first of all, in the surveys, we saw that 91% of members wish this dating had more focus on the personality. And 77% said they would chat with someone before seeing what they looked like. But then if you looked um, at, you know, at, at the results, we saw that matching actually increased by 65% when people were, were first making the, their first impression within the blind date game, rather. And, and, really? And that's face. so yeah. interesting. Wow, that's so Cool. That is fantastic. That's a great stopping point. We're out of time. But Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work? Thank you so much for having me. Um, visit uh, themeetgroup.com and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.